0: We're living ever longer and healthier lives. Are we ready? Our extra decades impact everything from careers and couples to companies and countries. The old three-course meal of education, work, and retirement is morphing into a four-quarter feast. So how does knowing we're likely to have more life impact our thinking and planning for the journey? And how are companies adapting as both talent and consumers get older? I'm Abiva Wittenberg-Cox, and this is Four Quarter Lives. Morag Lina is Unilever's Global Director of the Future of Work. I think it's truly significant that companies like Unilever have dedicated resource on this topic. She is the brains behind an innovative program called YouWork, launched by Unilever to rethink the management of careers to reflect shifting needs at different life stages. In our conversation, we'll look into that As well as what leading companies are thinking about aging societies, both from the consumer market side as well as from the internal employee side. Morag, Lina, welcome to Four Quarter Lives. Delighted to have you representing Unilever with us today on how companies are managing longevity. Thanks very much, Aviva. Pleasure to be here. Now, I can't resist. By starting with the personal question of how and when did you get—I know you're a big specialist in this longevity space and how it relates to the future of work. When when did you first get interested in this? You look a little young for uh, getting into longevity. That's very flattering. I had a birthday last <laughs> week, actually, Aviva, so I'm very
1: firmly looking looking sixty in the eye at the moment. So not so. I'm not on so the young. other side,
0: so you—you know—I I can say that it's it's safe territory. <laughs>
1: So I got into this probably about five years ago. I was working in a role in Unilever at the time where I was responsible for looking at employment policy and employment benefits. And I was looking at is what we're doing, is it right for the future? And that's really the first time that I started to look at and come across the thinking about aging demographic. So that was with a UK lens, but we have a number of global teams who are based in, in the UK. For Unilever, and so I also started to realize that very quickly it wasn't just a, a UK issue; it's a it's a global issue. So I came into it, I guess, in quite a rational, logical business mindset. But being in your mid-50s, mid fifties, into late fifties, it makes
0: you makes it real for you as well, and increasingly gets relevant as you move forward. So Unilever has a really strong reputation for both employee practice, corporate social responsibility. So. I want you to share the whole idea of this policy that you've introduced called U-Work, what it is and how it emerged and were you at its origin? I imagine sure. so.
1: Let me, perhaps I start with just explaining a little bit about what U-Work is. That will set the scene
0: for people. So U-Work and is Maybe just we- for the um, people listening, it's the letter U hyphen work. So U-Work is the name of the policy.
1: Perfect. Thank you. So we think of you work as being what we call a new employment model, so a new way of employing people. And with UWork, people remain an employee of Unilever. We give them a small monthly retainer, so they get an income every month, irrespective of whether they work for us or not. And then when they do work for us, they get some assignment pay. And as well as the pay that they get, so as well as the retainer and the pay, We also offer some benefits. It's a different benefits package to the package that we give to our regular employees. There's a different relationship, a different level of codependency. But we talk about YouWork being flexibility with security. So we offer a pension, we offer some healthcare, we invest in people's learning. So that's how YouWork works. Is Um, the idea
0: almost like a gig economy internal to the company with some security wrapped around it?
1: Exactly that. Exactly that, Aviva. And we first started thinking about this back in about 2017, 2018. I was working with a, a colleague, Passage Over, who was responsible for the, the UK at that time. And the trigger for it was thinking about our older employees and thinking about those employees who either needed or wanted to perhaps continue working with us, but not in the same way that they have been working. And how could we facilitate that? And at the same time, therefore, we get to keep their talents and their skills and their knowledge so that's a benefit for us as well but even before we then launched you work we piloted it initially in 2019 we started to realize that actually this sort of flexible working this flexible approach to working life wasn't just something that would be applicable to that generation that, that others would also potentially be interested and so when we launched we launched it as something that might be of interest across the generations and indeed, that's exactly what has um, turned out to be the case.
0: It's so interesting because I make so many parallels between generational balance and gender balance. And Unilever is one of the leader, leading companies in the world on having achieved a very high degree of gender balance. And the idea on women was always if you design for women, you overachieve on the expectations of almost everyone. And it sounds like a little bit the same thing happened with this. It was initially imagined for older people. But then you realize that this would actually delight a much broader population. So in the end, you've seen this being picked up, I think, by the young, the old, but also that middling young parent who is traditionally so struggling in their 30s to do everything. What do they all have in common?
1: They all have in common that they want flexibility, but for lots and lots of different reasons. One of the reasons that I love being involved in U work is is some of the stories that we've we've got. So perhaps I can share some of yeah, those please. with you. I, you know, they are fascinating. So if I start in the younger generation, I can think of a work employee called Harriet. So Harriet was not long out of our graduate program. She was working in the sustainability area, and Harriet also has a passion for cycling. And she had an ambition with her boyfriend. She wanted to cycle from Scotland to New Zealand, as you do. Wow. Um, so she joined... I will never do. <laughs> she, she joined Work. She did a number of assignments with Work. And then last year, she and her boyfriend set off and they had a, a fantastic blog that they wrote whilst they were away. So we're able to share in their journey. And now she's back from that adventure. And we're just sorting her out with her next assignment. So that's Harriet at one end of the spectrum. Also at that end of the spectrum, we have Adam who um, Adam wanted to travel. So again, was just sort of part of the management program, wanted to travel. Unfortunately, COVID got in the way of his plans, but he had uh, he had joined UWork, but he wanted to stay in Work anyway. And what UWork gave him was the opportunity to work on projects that he probably wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. So he was very happy. And then other end of the spectrum, some examples that I can share with you are Roy. So Roy has worked with us for more than 50, uh, 40 years. Sorry. He was a factory manager. He wanted to spend more time with his grandchildren. He has a passion for golf, but he also didn't want to give up working. So Roy has been working in New Work since the beginning. He was one of our pioneering uh, New Work employees. He has done projects to do with coaching leaders in the factory. He's done projects on waste management, and you know he's very much in demand. And then exactly as you say, in the middle, we have people who have taken time to join New Work because they have family commitments that they want to have more time with their children or people who are entrepreneurial. So we have a number of our work employees who have a, a side hustle or a sort of semi-side hustle these days. Um, doing A their portfolio career. <laughs> portfolio career. Or have returned to study. Yep. One of our strongest advocates for work is Maria. And Maria has gone back to study and she's done studying and working on assignments. And so it's worked beautifully for her as well.
0: So how does the, the kind of work that these people are doing is varied? Is it like part-time, a few days a week, a few hours a week, or is it a jolt of full-time, three months? It, and then they-
1: it can be anything and anything in between. So, and it works across the organization. We have people in our factories, in the front line who have joined you work. We have very senior people in our organization who have, have joined you work. But an assignment, which is what we call the project work, can be anything from a day's work shift to six months full-time really, and everything in between. So it's a real it's a real mixture. And generally we try and manage what what are the needs of the business with what are the needs of the individual can come to some sort of agreement that works for everybody.
0: And is there some kind of internal database of all these people who want to do this and they just kind of is it is it like yeah, they're so looking for a job internally sort of?
1: Sort of. So we have in the UK where we have the, the biggest pool of Work of talent. I have a great colleague, Ree. And Rhee is what we call the contact manager. And Rhee is the glue that holds you work together. So she recruits people in. She works with assignment managers. We have a database. But Rhee has sometimes laughed about herself being a bit like a dating agency. She's the matchmaker. (laughs) She does the matching. And what that's enabled us to do. So we are looking at how we bring technology in to help us. But having Rhee in that role as matchmaker is that she's been able to help people switch lanes which is to their advantage and to the business's advantage. So bring the skills and the knowledge that they've developed in one area and transfer it and bring it to the benefit of another. So that's been
0: great. Which also kind of becomes a developmental program for a lot of people who might want to go more horizontally. So if this program covers the young, the old and the parents, who's left? I mean, is is that the majority of today's...
1: I, I, I think it is. I, I think from the examples that I've shared with you, um, what we're seeing is that whatever your, your life stage or life situation, you are potentially could be something that is, is right for you. So yes, I think it is mostly covering um, everybody's needs.
0: So you launched in the UK, you're rolling out globally. Where has it been rolled out? And what's been the impact at multiple levels is my question on employees themselves, on leaders in the organization. Are they thinking differently about flexibility when they see this program roll out? So we've
1: launched in about 10 countries now. And what we're starting to see in most of those countries, but not all, but most of those countries is the same pattern that we saw in the UK. So there is a, a slow trickle at the beginning of, of pioneering spirits. We kind of look at this thing and think, oh, this is a bit different. I'm, I'm not sure. But then join and, and see the benefits. And that's what, exactly what happens in the UK when we piloted. And then there's an expression, isn't there, success breeds success. I think when people start to see others and see that they're working and that it, it's, it's going well for them, that brings the confidence. And that's the pattern we start to see elsewhere. The most recent country that we've launched in is Canada. So they launched in October and they've signed up their first person. We're doing well in India and Turkey. Other countries are a little slower to get going. Some of that, I think, is about culture and about, you know, how prevalent flexibility is within, within those cultures and a little bit about, you know, we've learned that it, it takes some energy to get something going. And in countries where we have small teams and they have other priorities, but, you know, perhaps they haven't always had the time to promote it and, and drive it as, as we have elsewhere. But I would say that the impact is that our greatest advocates are the employees themselves, And the managers who are assignment managers and who have accessed the talent pool, because from a a line manager perspective, you're getting a known quantity. You're getting someone who hits the ground running, who can deliver much faster. And what we actually learn from the countries who go live outside of the UK, they are saying to us, can you help us give examples of assignments? So it is about helping line managers to think about how they resource differently, how they sort of break work down into, into other chunks. And we're learning to do that with UWork. So it's helped us in, in that regard.
0: Fantastic. We'll be following this story then for many years to come, because I think this is, this is really pioneering stuff that uh, should interest my. And my last curiosity, are, are there any gender differences in the adoption or engagement around the topic?
1: Not significantly. So in the UK, as I said, where we have the, the biggest pool of, of Work employees, we have slightly more men. Than women, but it, it's very marginal. And when you look at does that change by life stage for our younger you work employees, there are slightly more women than men. And in the older bracket, there are slightly more men than women. But it, it is at the margins, it's, it's not significant. Yep. So it seems to have a very broad appeal.
0: Fantastic. I think this is uh, condoning flexibility for all, which is an unusually mm-hmm. liberating <laughs> message for companies everywhere. So that's a little bit my question. If we broaden out to companies beyond Unilever, I'd be very curious to see what is your thinking on where they are on longevity. How are they adapting? Have you seen other examples that inspire you? And what's been the response or interest from other companies in your work, both internally? I mean, it's all obviously been spreading to other countries. What about externally?
1: So, I guess what do I think about other, other companies and what they're doing in longevity? It's just what I see and what I, I perceive. Yep. And, I, and I would say that there, in the last couple of years, particularly, there is a, an awakening to the issue. And I see that there are some organizations who have people like me who are thinking about what it means and how can we structurally address that. I see governments starting to do more as well. So. Australia, they have financial incentives for companies to hire and retain people over 50. Just last week in the UK, the government started consultation about should there be tax breaks for people over 50 to help them remain in the workforce. France is trying to change its retirement age. But I I
0: think it's it's moving everywhere, isn't it? It's It's moving everywhere. Fascinating.
1: I think the challenge that we have, that we all have, is that challenge of ageism though. And not just about what we think about other people, but actually what we think about ourselves. You know, we are so programmed from birth about what it means to age and how you should behave or think or do at a particular age in life, sometimes in a self-limiting way, that as we try to tackle this, it's about challenging ourselves about what we think is right. And we have to kind of continue continue to do that. I guess what I also see, which I think is a good thing, is I see organizations waking up to the commercial possibilities in an aging demographic. And there are organizations out there, so not just the not for profit organizations like AARP in the States or the Center for Aging Better in the UK, but organizations who are, for example, creating platforms to give other organizations access to a marketplace of older individuals. And they are putting a lot into marketing and a lot into promoting you know, what it means to be a bit older, particularly the, the third generation, as you refer to Aviva. And, and I think that's to everyone's benefit, because they're challenging those stereotypes and changing it. And I see that as a, as a positive, as a positive thing.
0: And I'm wondering if you're facing this, it's just talent crunches at the younger end. Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of the UK, is launching an all out call to try and get the half a million Older Brits who pre retired back into the workforce. Are you seeing things like that? Is this helping retention on your side?
1: It is helping retention on our side, but I think we see you work as just one element of a broader flexibility agenda. You know, we have a social commitment in Unilever, which is around helping to provide flexible work options for our employees, including new employment models. And the reason for that is around seeing our, our responsibility as, a, as an organisation to help greater workforce participation, whether that's in the UK or, or elsewhere, for exactly the reasons that you've just described. It gives access to work to people who either can't or won't work in those traditional traditional methods. So for us, we have this big flexibility focus, whether that's everyday flexibility, so where you work or how you manage your time whether it's something formal like part-time working or whether it's something like new employment model, we see that as a key to being able to tap into those those people who are perhaps not in the workforce currently.
0: Interesting. Other talent policies that Unilever is adopting or testing to adapt to aging workforces, right? From recruitment, development, and I'm curious, you're talking about ageism, anything around ageism awareness, training? Um, yes, start? I mean, like,
1: like, like most organizations, we are a work in progress. You know, we are learning as, as we are going. But yes, there are, there are things that we are, we are doing in our business in Argentina. We have a program where they are recruiting over 60, actually, so the people of 60 plus to come and work in market research in hair salons to use the skill set of, of that generation to do that. We've probably been doing some stuff in the UK that we are now looking to scale up. So some of the examples of the things we've been doing are around creating an environment that is friendly to all generations. So we've done some stuff around setting up a a carer's commitment statement and a carer's network. We've introduced menopause guidance. So those are not things that are exclusive to older workers, but they are perhaps of most interest to that group. So we've been doing those sorts of things. And something we did at the end of last year which again, we're looking to scale now, is again, open to everybody, but recognizing that as you age, you may want to have a different relationship with work, think differently about work. So we ran an event that we called Your Future Working Life. And that over over a two week period, we gave people access to drop-in sessions where they could think about their purpose. What does, what do they want the next 20 years to look like for them? How do they finance things? How do they do a skills audit if they want to perhaps pivot and change? How do they sell themselves and the experience?
0: I love we, it. The next 20 years, that's not a horizon that most people are thinking about. Yeah. How? What was the reaction?
1: Very positive. Very positive. So lots of interest, lots of people coming along. And that's the reason that we, we want to scale it, to give other people that opportunity. You know, our, our thinking is that if, the, if we can help people who are wanting to do things differently, then that's potentially to our advantage as well. We keep to we get to keep those skills and keep that experience. So that's and did the really. people
0: attending that se- kind of session were they of every age and stage? They they were. There probably were people in their forties and their
1: fifties for whom they yep. were most interested, but it wasn't exclusively that age group. It was available and published to everybody.
0: So that sounds like it's one of the big takeaway lessons from partly you work that older people don't want things let's say, older on them. They don't want to be targeted as a particular segment. They like this approach that's open to everyone, even if it's more relevant. Yeah, and, I, and I think that
1: applies across the pace. I think it's about, you know, you have to use data sometimes, don't you, to understand trends and see what's happening. But I think the key is always remembering that everyone's an individual. So, you know, I talked about caring. So the older you are, the more likely you are to be a carer. But that doesn't mean all, all carers are old. It's just being individual, I can't say it. Individ-
0: I can't even say that word. Individual. <laughs> individuals. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and care is such a, an interesting dimension, right? Because you spend half your life on childcare and then the other half on elder care. Sometimes if you're unlucky, you get all of that together. But care tends to yeah, cross generations quite effectively. I want to switch from the talent side of the equation where we've been mostly onto the customer side and the whole issue that you've referred to a little bit of the longevity economy that companies are beginning to wake up to. Is there any parallel thinking about aging from a customer perspective at Unilever? Are there new products and services that are learning from what you're doing on the talent side?
1: Yes, so we're starting. We have beauty and well-being business. We have a, an incubator organisation called The Uncovery. And they have a product called Mojo, which is around menopause products. So things like cooling sprays for hot flushes and collagen replacing serums. So those sorts of things that's mostly available direct to the consumer in, in the US. So we've been doing those sorts of things. Yes. We've also doing a lot of work around get on the front line. So when we think about marketing... Are we challenging ourselves about stereotypes in marketing and starting to be inclusive and embrace differences like age? You know, as I said before, we're, we're a work in progress. I'm not saying we've got it perfectly right every time, but that's very much on the front of our agenda.
0: Any particular advertising or marketing campaign that has kind of been at the forefront of this that we might be able to go and look up?
1: Gosh, oh, you challenged me there, Eva. Maybe I come back to you and um, come back and to me. In we'll, we'll communicate yes.
0: post haste. Um, yes, but again, very interesting in the kind of role modeling of what this kind of inclusive age marketing might look like as we go forward. So I'm I'm curious. Before I end on your own sort of four quarters, what have you learned from a now several year journey on all things longevity and aging? What have you taken for your own? life and uh, evolution?
1: I think there is that piece around not applying those self-limiting beliefs and, and challenging yourself. There was an article I read a little while ago, which talked around how we describe ourselves and how we, how we talk about ourselves, challenging the reader and saying, you know, when you're talking about things that you maybe did in your 20s and your 30s, do you talk about when I was in my prime? And if you do, what, why do you say that? You know, when you talk about things like, senior moments. Why are you saying that? So I do sort of challenge and, and sort of try and stop myself doing those sorts of things. But the other thing that I've learned is that I think it is a topic that we have to talk about because we are so much in a different place as a society when it comes to thinking about age than, for example, gender or race or those t- sorts of topics, that you know, when you talk to people around it about this topic, you almost see the scales come from their eyes and, and yes. you know, they're smart, they get it, but they just haven't thought about it before. Uh, and so for me, it's about talking about it that is, is really the key, I think, to making progress in this area.
0: It really reminds me, I mean, this whole last few years really reminds me of the topic of gender balance was in organizations Completely. 20 years ago when I started yes. in on that topic, this yeah massive tsunami of demographic change that people sort of knew was coming, but didn't think they had to deal with quite yet.
1: And I think that's really interesting. I've, I've sort of made that parallel when I've been talking to people sometimes, you know, that point around a choice that perhaps a woman has about does she want to, or a man, you know, do they want to stay at home and look after family or do they want to carry on working? And that's either choice is absolutely right. It's for the individual to make it. And I think when you take it into the area of age, It's about not making assumptions about what someone wants to do in relation to retirement. If someone wants a cliff edge retirement and to leave work totally at age 50, that's great. But if they don't, they don't. And it's not for somebody else to make an assumption about what's the right thing for them and what they should be doing. For me, that's important.
0: Yeah. And especially as all we've ever known so far really is cliff edge retirements. It'll take a lot of this kind of role model. I'm curious if there's a sort of internal communications around your case studies of all those people you were telling us are you trying to sort of educate people with these stories we do we do use the stories as, a,
1: as yep. a promotional tool but also as an educational tool so last year we did some stories and we focused on some of the older workers in new work this year our focus will be about some of the younger workers so we we do we do it quite consciously yes
0: So, you know, I end uh, my four quarter lives podcast by asking every guest how they would summarize in a few short words, metaphors or phrases, your own four quarters, looking back and looking forward. How would you...
1: I had had a little think about this. I was forewarned. So I had a little think about this one. And I, I think in terms of quarter one, I can't improve on grow. I think that that sums it up nicely. In terms of quarter two... Again, I I think achieve is quite good. I think for myself, I would probably say achieve, pause and reassess and achieve again. So sort of doing it like that. Quarter three, which is where I am now, gave me the the most pause for thought. And I thought of a number of different things. There was um, one phrase that sprang to mind, which was, I'm not done yet. Yep. There was, I also thought about doing it my way. There's something about the confidence that you have at this point, which is not necessarily wanting to conform and being happy to speak out, so that that's quite good. And I also thought about, in terms of the fourth quarter, I like the harvesting concept, but I also thought about, you know, sort of being at peace with what you've done at life. And then I did think, at peace is also a euphemism for being dead, so perhaps being content <laughs> was a better way to express it. So uh, that, those are those are my initial thoughts around it.
0: Wonderful. And I'm curious, I. Mean, it's such an interesting project and innovation that you're bringing into the workplace. And I often think that a lot of women have their biggest impact in their third quarters. Do you think that's true for you? Is this kind of the most innovative, interesting time of your career? I think career? it's a
1: very different. So I, I, I have made a change. I came into the role that I do now about three to four years ago, and it, it's very different from the roles that I have, have previously done. It is about sort of creativity and thinking differently. So yes, a new way of thinking, which has been great.
0: Morag, you're an interesting role model for us all. And Unilever is once again being a role model for companies everywhere. So thank you so much for sharing both your personal and the corporate journey that you are on.
1: It's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Aviva.
0: For more thinking about the impact of our four quarter lives, you can read my column at Forbes, and subscribe to my Elderberrys newsletter on Substack. Let's design lives that aren't just longer, but better.